Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 25. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from the bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes what is for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Holy wisdom, holy word. Good morning, church. <laughs> this past week was was an awesome week, I think. You guys have the best summers out here in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> and I am quite jealous that I haven't been able to experience it up until now. Um, I got to go and visit one of my distant relatives. It's my first cousin twice removed. They live on a lake. So we got to experience the lake and wade in the lake a little bit, and it was just gorgeous. The mountains were out, and you could see the trees. They're so green. It was quite amazing, I think. So I hope you all got to enjoy the weather as well, enjoy the sun, even though it's a little bit hot. It's not as hot as Virginia from where I'm from right now. It's like almost 100% humidity, probably 100 degrees. So we have it good. We had it good. <laughs> so this week we're looking in Romans, and we're looking at Paul his, in his letter to the Romans. And if you know Paul, he was one of the... I guess, more informative people at the beginning of the church at the start. And he's a very smart man as well, if you read some of his, his stuff. So he can be a little bit, a little bit heady. You have to kind of think about it a little bit when you read it. So I think the nature of this message this week is a little bit heady at times and maybe a little abstract at times as well because... Paul is a little abstract at times. <laughs> but anyways, I hope that I can give to you the message 
well and that you'll follow along with me as we walk through this. So what Paul makes clear first, ooh, I'm a little bit hot, sorry about that. (laughs) What Paul makes clear first is our debt that we owe because of the spirit living in us, enabled through Christ Jesus. If you read earlier in this section in verse 9, Paul assumes that the spirit of God lives in us, making us alive in righteousness. And then in this section, Paul plays with the tension between the flesh and spirit. Flesh meaning the desires of the world and personal gain, and spirit meaning desires of God. So if we then have the spirit of God within us, then our spirit will desire what the spirit desires, which then allows us to become adopted into God's family as God's children. The desires of the spirit leads to life, and the desires of the flesh leads to death. So that was in the first section that he, in the, of this passage, this scripture reading. He's playing with these two ideas of flesh and spirit. And then he moves on to the next section to talk about future glory, beginning with the suffering of Christ. And as Christ suffers, we suffer as well in it. And it is in this sharing of suffering with Christ that we are also glorified in Christ. In fact, he goes along the lines of saying that we should not even consider our suffering in comparison to the glory of God that will, that will be revealed to us. So the glory totally outweighs the suffering here. And I think this might be where Paul starts to get a little bit tricky, at least for me it was, in preparing for this week, and a little bit abstract as well. I think it kind of depends on our our certain definitions of things. So I think what Paul is is getting at here and what he's talking about here is is waiting. Now, waiting is kind of an odd action. It's kind of an odd verb to do because it implies doing nothing. Waiting means to delay action until a certain moment or time. So just sit and do nothing, and that's doing something. (laughs) It's kind of an odd subject, I feel like. So waiting here means to live, I think, in the sometimes uncomfortable present in between what we know has happened and what is promised to all of creation by God, which is to be free 100%. All creation is waiting for the revealing of God's children more importantly, waiting for itself to obtain freedom of the glory of the children of God, which is acquired by God. Only through God can true freedom be given. I think Paul is creating an argument for his readers here to have hope in this waiting period while we wait for God's purposes to unfold in the future. And until this happens, we wait and we just endure life. This endurance and waiting talk kind of reminds me of when I was practicing Taekwondo. I don't know if you remember when I was first introduced here, Brad mentioned that I did Taekwondo and I was a Taekwondo instructor. And I think he kind of hyped it up a little bit. (laughs) Yes, I did teach Taekwondo, but I think I taught because I couldn't really do (laughs) anymore. Um, 
So I think he hyped up the doing part, and I, I can do it really well. I probably still can keep up with it, but I taught better than I did, I think. <laughs> but anyways, it reminds me of when I was practicing it, and I started when I was about six years old. And I remember when I started as a white belt, the goal was the black belt. That was the ultimate goal for Taekwondo, was to get my black belt to, to be the ultimate fighting machine. <laughs> and so I practiced and practiced, and I tested and I tested, and my parents gave over money and more money and more money <laughs> for me to do this. And I, and I practiced the proper techniques, the proper stances, the kicks. I had to get them just right and perfect and the blocks and, and do all this. And it took years and years and years and I think probably about three-fourths of the way, I was like, why am I keep doing this? <laughs> again and again and again. It's the same stance in every single form. It's the same kick in every single form. It's just in a different combination. <laughs> so I was wondering why I did this again and again and again. But I wanted that black belt so badly. I worked hard and I endured, went through practice, sparring practice, broken boards, tested again and again, and then finally, I get my black belt. <laughs> the, the prized, beloved black belt. And then I finally get to go to the black belt class, get to be with the other black belts that are second, third degrees. Some of them are instructors. And I get to spar with them. I think I'm a big shot until they do what they do. <laughs> and then I realize I didn't master Taekwondo at all. I've mastered the basics. <laughs> all this time waiting, and I finally get my black belt, and I realize I've just mastered the basics, which isn't a bad thing. It's a very good thing. I'll get to that later on. And I think that, or when I thought after going to that black belt class, I have a lot more to learn, and this is more like the beginning than anything else. <laughs> and I think this is an example of, of one hobby or sport or activity where we, where we do and we practice and we hope to gain some sort of achievement and get to some sort of level, only to realize that that's just the start. That's, once we've reached that certain level, then we can actually do the thing that we love doing even better and do it in a more advanced, more professional way. We've practiced and we've done the things to refine our skills only to realize that we've just mastered the basics. The basics are the solid foundation to build off of, to build greater skills. The reason you must practice your forms in Taekwondo is to nail down the stances, the kicks, the blocks, etc., etc., and how to properly execute them in order to use those same simple kicks, simple blocks, simple stances in more advanced moves and settings and techniques. Perfecting simple stances leads to greater balance so that these more advanced techniques, you won't follow them. 
Every basic thing that I learned in Taekwondo, it served a purpose later on. And it wasn't until later on that I understood why I had done those same stances for years and years and years. And I think the saying is, hindsight is 2020. And I think that that applied to my Taekwondo journey. <laughs> I think Paul is making the same sort of argument here in Romans. We've accepted Christ, and by doing so, the Spirit of God came to live in us and dwell in us so that our spirit becomes aligned with God's Spirit. And it is this Spirit dwelling in us that we can begin to practice the basics of dealing away with the flesh or the selfish, self, selfish desires for personal gain and practice the desire of the Spirit. This is our task in the waiting. This is what we practice in the meantime as we wait and as we hope for the fulfillment of God's glory. So life. <laughs> the big meaning of life. Just kidding. I don't know what the meaning of life is. <laughs> exactly. But I have an idea. <laughs> So life is an empty space and time where fulfillment depends on God. It is this space in between birth and death where we simply wait for life afterwards. We then try to fill our lives and hope that what we do is meaningful, that is full of, of something more than just meaningless footprints. And I think the Spirit enables us to desire what God desires so that our lives can actually become meaningful. But this doesn't happen by default. This doesn't happen when the Spirit comes and live in us. It happens automatically. It requires an action on our part. It requires us to do something. We can't expect that what we've been doing all of a sudden becomes more holier. And our daily lives and our daily routines, all of a sudden, as soon as the Spirit comes living us, making coffee in the morning is now holy. <laughs> it can be. I think it is. <laughs> there is effort that is required on our part to act on the desires the Spirit places in us. And this is the sort of hope I feel that Paul is urging the readers to wait with. It is a hope that requires action and not just an expectation or a mindset that the best will happen in the end. Both the mindset and the action belong together. For if we really fully believe, if we fully hope that God's glory will be revealed in the end and God's kingdom will be here on earth, then we will be fully willing to act and to live into it before we even reach that point. We hope by pulling in the promise of the future closer to us in every living moment with the Spirit's intention. This is the idea of what I feel Paul is explaining when, when, he, when he's explaining what it means to wait. We wait for the adoption to become God's children in the coming kingdom of God. So this does not mean that we go about our business until that time comes and in the meantime, fully live as a citizen of this world. But we have hope so, that, so great that we begin to live in the kingdom of God now 
and live in that adoption as God's children now. It's much like my experience in Taekwondo and my journey towards my black belt, my beloved black belt. (laughs) My hope was that one day I would become a black belt. So before then, I started thinking like one. Has anyone seen the, uh, the movie Up? The Pixar movie Up? Yeah, it's a great movie. So if you remember in the beginning, his name is Mr. Fredrickson, Mr. Frederick, something like that. The, at the, the, very, the very beginning of the movie. If you remember, he wanted to be an adventurer. He wanted to go explore the world. So what did he do? He had the hat and the goggles, and he went and pretended to be an adventurer exploring some new land and discovering new things. I think that's what children do. They hope. They have aspirations of what they want to be when they grow up. And they start pretending to do that now, whether it's a doctor or a... In the first service, we had some who wanted to be a scuba diver or a hula dancer. So they take hula classes. Not scuba classes yet, but... One girl wanted to be a landscape architect, so she draws landscape architecture things. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I wanted to be a pilot, so what did I do when I was little? I played with my airplanes and pretended to fly them around and pretended I was going to be one day be in the Air Force or the Navy or in Star Wars flying the X-Wing. <laughs> That's what I did when I was young. Children pretend to to be what they want to be when they grow up. They hope that they want to be that when they grow up. I think when we're all young, we all hope that we would one day be something someday. So then we started to act and dress and play the role of who, whoever it was that we wanted to be. When we hope to live in the kingdom of God, we will begin to think, act, do, and play the role we would play there for all eternity. We are the children of God, waiting for adoption to one day go and live in God's big house. So we better start thinking and acting like we are God's children now. Now, when I was preparing for this this week, I, if you have all met my fiance Manny, she was here for service. She had to go to work. <laughs> but I typed it out and gave it to her. I said, here, what do you think of this? I said, oh, it's good. But now what are we supposed to do? I was like, oh, I thought I explained that. (laughs) Apparently I did it. (laughs) So she kept, I was like, well, what do you think about this? She's like, yeah, okay, that's good. Yeah, okay, that's good. I think I might have gotten it down just a little bit to give us a little bit of a direction, hopefully. If not, you can drill me with questions afterwards. I'll be happy to answer them as best as I can. So what do we do with with this as we wait and as we are God's children now? And I think that's a little bit the tricky part because it's different for each one of us. We're all created differently. But I think we all must become filled with passion that motivates us to live in God's presence continuously. This motivation, or this, sorry, this passion motivates us to first spend time with God whether it's through reading scripture, singing songs, doing art, dance, or praying, maybe playing with Legos. I love Legos. (laughs) But we need to seek after God and be in God's presence. 
For I feel like what Paul is saying here, if, if God's spirit is in us and aligns us with God's desires, our desire would be to be with God. We will desire to spend more time with God. It's like a child who wishes to spend time with their parents and play board games with their parents and, and do things with their parents. We as God's children should wish to spend more time with our parent in heaven, even though a few of us, including me most likely, are teenage Christians, teenage Christians, where when I was a teenager, I remember my mom always, I thought she was nagging me the whole time to clean up my room and to do the right thing and to do this and nagging me. I still appreciated it, and I think we still appreciate all that God has done for us and continues to do for us daily in our lives. And this spending time with God, it fuels our passion for God to bleed into other areas of our lives. And how this looks like for all of us would be a little bit different. But this, this spending time with God, this passion, fuels other passions. And that passion, I think, one of them is our relationships with one another, with other brothers and sisters in Christ. It drives us towards one another to love one another and to nurture the relationships that we have with each other. I know that I enjoy hosting my friends at my house, giving them some snacks and relaxing with them, giving them a place to, to hang out. That kind of sounded like an invitation for everyone to come over. But I don't know if everyone will fit in my apartment. <laughs> Might be a little bit cramped. And I know that I enjoy when my friends nurture the relationship on their end as well. And I remember Manny's not here, so I can embarrass her a little bit. At the beginning of our relationship, a pastor had told me that our relationship is like a triangle or like a, like a carrot. And Manny's on one end, I'm on the other end, and God is at the top. And our relationship should be defined by God because we are both moving towards God. And as we move towards God, we become closer and closer to one another. And our relationship is stronger and the foundation is on God. I think that was very wise, wise advice. And I think all of our relationships should be like that as well. Our relationship should encourage us to move towards God and be with God even more. And this passion, I think, also moves us to go outside of our comfort zone and do something different for someone out of love. I want you to recall the foot-washing story in John 13 where Jesus, after the supper, takes the place of his servant towards his disciples and washes his feet. After the washing, Jesus instructs his disciples in the next section after to love one another as he had loved them. These disciples, they spent time with Jesus, with their God, came to understand what God's passions and desires are and where God's heart is, and then were instructed to invest in their relationships with each other the way God had invested in them. And then Jesus explains that this is the way that everyone who sees and everyone who sees their relationship and how much growth there is in there 
that they are his disciples. Our love and passion to be with God fuels our relationship with one another and causes the ones looking in on our relationships to become curious and wonder how that is. And I think that those passions fuel a passion to go to the ones who are curious and looking in and to be with them and move towards them as God has moved towards us and to love them as God has loved us and to bring them into the family as well so that they can become adopted children of God too. This passion makes the kingdom of God visible to the world and creates a movement towards life in God and a desire to be with God for all of eternity. I think this is what Paul is saying here in this section, that we align our spirit with God's spirit who lives in us, and we wait for the kingdom of God, not by sitting around and waiting for something automatically to happen within us, but we move in action, and in that action is our hope for the kingdom of God to come and be here now. And we pull that kingdom in so that it's present here on earth now. And we practice. Like I practice my forms in Taekwondo. Day after day after day, we practice now living in the kingdom of God so that we can be masters in heaven of the kingdom of God as we are the children of God. So would you pray with me? Oh Lord, life is full of ups and downs, God. We have days when we we feel like we are suffering and we have days where we want to worship you wholeheartedly, God. And both of those days, Lord, is just another day closer to being with you for all eternity, God. And so, Lord, would you fuel our passion in us to do something and not just wait, but to hope as well. And to go to one another, to nurture our relationships with another, to create new relationships, to expand your kingdom, God, here on earth. And as we do that, would you continue to give us energy and strength and pour your love in on us, God. We thank you for all that you've done, Lord, for being our perfect parent and being there when we want you to be there and being there when maybe sometimes we don't. And let us be faithful to you as you have been faithful to us, God. We thank you and we love you. Pray these things in your son's holy name. Amen.